And we're back up, I think. I hope. Maybe. Hello. Uh... Do do do. Hello, nerds. Uh, I think we're up, but YouTube has not caught up with us. So I apologize for the intro being a little uh, awkward, but uh, welcome to the end of season one or four or yeah, season four for the main channel and then season three for everything else. I forget, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, so tonight is uh going to be a sad one i as you know the day was rolling on and preparations were being made for tonight's broadcast uh it was made known to me that two of my kind of well one absolute icon like no question childhood icon of mine has passed in the last two days and uh one of the first like comedians i was ever really really into has also unfortunately passed so that's probably where we're gonna start the night we're gonna start the night on a down note which really sucks hello christopher thank you for joining buddy um i'm assuming that youtube has caught up no maybe perhaps i hope excellent condition according to that one um there we go okay Good deal. Look, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Um, all right. So, preamble. Yeah, the end of the season. Going to be switching. So, next week, we're not going to have any regular episodes at all. Any even off-season episodes. Uh, the following week, also no off-season episodes. Uh, potentially, we'll be trying to stretch some of the clips content and or shorts content to make it last uh, for the two weeks so that there's at least something coming through on the feeds. But uh, as it stands right now, the next two weeks is going to be pretty quiet as far as channels go. Um, and then we will return in three weeks for uh, live Wednesday shows that will then get posted in the uh all the secondary outlets on thursdays so if you are listening in post on the nerdy legion podcast network or if you watch these on the big show network or anything of that sort then uh yeah that's what you have to look forward to we're switching our day from wednesday to thursday for the vods and if you want to join live, then we will be going live on Wednesdays um, through January. Uh, all of that being said, I believe, and there's very potentially going to be some weeks that we miss an episode um, because I have photo gigs or I just am too busy getting assets in order and we just don't have the time or I have to go to the day job or whatever. Um, so yeah, off season is always very kind of up in the air, though. I try to keep it as, uh, solid as possible, I guess is a way to put that. So tonight's drink 
um, you're going to see Mortal Kombat glass, of course. Um, tonight's drink is uh, we just got my girlfriend just got these Monin syrups. And so mine is apple, what caramel apple butter Italian cream soda, though not cream because, you know, uh, oat milk because lactose, but oat cream. Uh, but I think the oat milk kind of I think the oat milk kind of helps uh, with the overall uh, folliness to the drink. It's like, yeah, it's like a caramel apple crisp. That's exactly what I was thinking. So that is what we're drinking tonight. No adult beverages, but no stream next week. No stream the week of Thanksgiving. That is accurate, Chris. Uh, next week, I have a, a week-long photo gig that's actually going to take me into the week of Thanksgiving. And then the week of Thanksgiving is the week of Thanksgiving. Um, also, I get older that week, so uh, going to be taking personal time. I honestly very potentially might do a surprise stream the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm planning on having a buddy come over, and we, he might uh, jump in on stream uh, just for gaming stuff, though, we're not going to be talking news. It'll just be throwing some Halo on, and uh, maybe he's a big Call of Duty fan, uh, so I might break down, and uh, it, I'm assuming it's free-to-play. I honestly haven't looked into it since it's launched. Uh, but yeah, there might be a surprise stream the Friday after Thanksgiving, but that's a big might. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. I will. I will be getting old. I'm a, I'm officially an old man. Um, so, yeah, that is that's the next two weeks, and then three weeks back we'll be on off season time. So that's where we're at. Um, let's switch over to. Oops, that's the wrong one. <laughs> go into that one. There we go. Um. So, yeah, if uh, if you are interested in the potential of the surprise, quote-unquote surprise stream, then the YouTube channel on the, uh, uh, what is it, the community tab. <laughs> it's so new, I can't remember the name of it. Your birthday is the week of Thanksgiving as well, rock and roll. Uh, happy early birthday to you, sir. Um... It's 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 kind of a thing for me. Like we we're big on seasonal movies and stuff, and I don't like to start watching Christmas movies until uh, either Thanksgiving or my birthday has happened. Whichever one happens second, that's that's the rule in the house. Is we can't start doing Christmas stuff until after uh, my birthday or. Thanksgiving again, whichever happens second, because they kind of alternate some years. So, um, yeah, I, I, is it is it similar with you, sir? Uh, either way, let's uh, do the thing. We're gonna start rolling into news. I teased on the oh, uh, I I was I was finishing a thought and I got sidetracked by chat. Um, the oh yeah the community tab if if there is going to be a surprise stream then it will be advertised on the community tab on the main youtube channel since that is where the lives go but that will not go up in the secondary outlets because it will not be news related it will just be 
Uh, no, that is not that is not my birthday. I'm I'm not going to put that out on on stream. Uh, the exact day of my birthday is not going to go out on stream, but uh, it is around Thanksgiving. Um, so this year it it is <laughs> it is after. Um, but it, it, it like I said, some years it's before, some years it's after. It just depends on how it falls. Um, so stay tuned to the community tab for the potential of a surprise Friday, uh, the 25th stream. Um, it really just depends on a lot of adult plans, uh, jobs and things getting in the way. And that being said, we're going to jump into the news because I've done way too much preamble for this episode. <laughs> uh, all right. So we talked uh, in the teases leading up to today's episode. We talked about James Gunn and his Batman, plus the potential of um, the Steven Spielberg Superman. And it looks like we have a number of articles that are dealing with both of those things. So we're going to go into this first one here and then we'll actually no. Uh, let's let, I need and we need to do the deaths first because I don't want to do that in the middle of the news. Um, that's just not fun at all. So uh, she sent them to me in the IG. So that's where we're going to check them. <laughs> oh lord uh we're not going to talk about that one where are they here we go here's the first one so let's see if i can if copy paste works straight across it should, I would imagine. There we go. Cool. All right. So first up, we're talking about Kevin Conroy, a uh, legendary voice of Batman, has sadly passed at the age of 66. Um, he had a brief bout with cancer. We, we briefly touched on the fact that he was diagnosed with cancer not that long ago. And yeah, sad, sad day for the nerdy community because Conroy is an icon. Like every this he that is the voice of Batman. Anytime I read a Batman comic book, or if I'm playing a game that doesn't have an adequate Batman Batman voiceover, uh, that is the voice that I interject in there. So uh, this from the Nerdist: Two generations of kids have lost their Batman. Uh, the art, uh, the writer is Kyle Anderson. I remember in '91 when Batman the Animated Series debuted, thinking the voice of this new cartoon Batman was so cool, so perfect. Later, I learned it was an actor named Kevin Conroy. For 30 years, the actor and character have been inseparable. That is very true. Still are and ever will be. Sadly, we won't get any new Batman adventures with Conroy as the voice. Today, publicists confirmed the actor passed away at the age of only 66 after a short battle with cancer. Conroy was a Juilliard-trained thespian. None of this should be really new to uh, longtime Batman fans. Conroy was a Juilliard-trained thespian who performed in both New York and the Old Globe Theater in San Diego. The actor received rave reviews for his starring performances in A Midsummer Night's Dream and at the Public Theater, <clears throat> excuse me, 
Eastern Standard on Broadway. Arthur Miller's The Last Yankee and the title role of Hamlet in 1984 uh, New York Shakespeare Festival. In addition, he performed in films tele and television, most notably as in the mid-80s when he was had recurring roles on Dynasty, Tour of Duty, and O'Hara. Successful runs on soap operas Search for Tomorrow and Another World and guest roles on popular series like Cheers, Murphy Brown, Spencer for Hire, and Matlock. But for all other all his other accomplishments and accolades, it was his preeminent work in the voice booth that earned him his legendary status. Beginning in 91, Conroy gave voice to new animated version of Batman and alter ego Bruce Wayne. So iconic was his character that even after the end of Batman the Animated Series, Conroy remained in the role time and again, from appearances on Superman the Animated Series to playing the elderly version of Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond. To Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, Conroy was the voice of the DC Animated Universe. He also was the voice for the Injustice games uh, from NetherRealm. Um, just, I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. And he's been back so many times to the role. We're not going to read this entire article, but because it's, I mean, there's there's people who worked with him that loved him. Mark Hamill. We'll, we'll read Mark Hamill's thoughts, I guess. Uh, Mark Hamill had this to say uh, about working with Conroy for 30 plus years. Kevin was perfection. He was one of my favorite people on the planet, and I loved him like a brother. He truly cared for people around him. His decency shone through everything he did. Every time I saw him or spoke with him, my spirits were elevated. For several generations, he has been def the definitive Batman. It was one of the perfect scenarios where they got the exact right guy for the exact right part, and the world was better for it. His rhythms and subtleties, tones, and delivery, that all also helped inform my performance. He was the ideal partner. It was such a complimentary creative experience. I couldn't have done it without him. He will always be my Batman. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty heavy. <laughs> uh, yes, let's get into the news, Chris. All right. Oh, man. Like, that's that's affecting a little bit. Like, that's... That really sucks. Communion. Christopher Walken. You're watching a Christopher Walken movie. I'm talking about the death of a legend here. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, that is Kevin Conroy. And then... Did you send me the Gallagher one? I need to go find the Gallagher one then. We'll, did, was that on Nerdist, do you remember? Okay. So we'll just stay here on the Nerdist and go find... Uh, also, comedian Gallagher has passed. I wanted to read the... Let's search. Let's just do that. Search... Gallagher... It's probably not how it's spelled. G-H-E-R? Yeah, I left out the H. Oh, that's probably a much more... Uh... Reliable. Yeah, I'll go to the variety one. I don't like AP. Oh, and we also gotta get to that. Good night. Alright, so there we go. Here's the Gallagher one. Variety has this to say about comedian Gallagher. Gallagher, comedian known for smashing watermelons, dies at 76. Gallagher, the inventive prop comedian known for smashing watermelons, is part of his... He smashed so much more than watermelons. Like, 
if you've if you've seen any of his stand-ups, the watermelon was the coup de gras, if you will, was the big thing. But like he smashed a lot of stuff in every one of those things leading up to the watermelon. The watermelon was just the big messy one. Uh, died Friday. So this is uh, this morning, apparently, of organ failure. His former manager, Craig Marquardo, wow, Marquardo, confirmed to Variety. He was 76. Uh, Organ failure. I wonder why he was sick. Gallagher has been in hospice care. There we go. In hospice care after suffering multiple heart attacks in recent years. That is super unfortunate. This was like, so I didn't really... When I was a little kid, I didn't fully understand what stand-up comedy was. My first, like, understanding of stand-up comedy was Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey's Critics' Choice is still one of the greatest stand-up sets ever. Hands down. (laughs) But I did watch a lot of Gallagher, and because he was a prop comic, it didn't register to me that that was a thing that many people did. I thought it was like uh, like children's programming to some degree, because one of his stand-ups, he has a giant couch set, and the giant couch, like he throws the cushions off of the couch, and there's a trampoline under the cushions, and he so like it felt like almost like children's programming. Um, so that's like, he was technically my first stand-up comedian. He was the first guy I really appreciated as stand-up comedy, even though I didn't really know what stand-up comedy was. Um, uh, let's get back to the article, shall we? Uh, born Leo Anthony Gallagher Jr., the mononymous comedian. (laughs) It's funny, I can read mononymous without worrying about it, but comedians may, I stumble over, became a household name in 1980 with an uncensored evening. First stand-up comedy special to ever air on Showtime. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Gallagher would go on to create 12 more hour-long specials for the network, as well as several popular programs for HBO. Gallagher's signature bit involved a handmade sledgehammer he called the Sledgeomatic. I loved his intro to it, too, because he had the hat, and it looked like the old, like, the the traveling salesman when they come through and try and, you know, put on a song and dance so that everybody would come see what they were trying to sell but there was a handle on the thing and so he put it on his head and the handle sticking up it was hilarious i loved it as a small child <laughs> and uh i still kind of love it as an adult i'm not gonna lie uh matic which he would use to smash food on stage and spray it into the audience his hammer's trademark victim was the watermelon yes it was gallagher also became famous for his witty wordplay and sharp observational comedy that is uh, that was kind of the the genesis of my wordiness, I'm sure, was my uh, affinity for Gallagher bits, because he definitely was a wordy dude as well. While his contemporaries went on to host talk shows or star in sitcoms or movies, Gallagher remained on the road in America for nearly four decades, touring steadily up until... No, see... Uh, I wonder if they're going to touch on it. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So, touring steadily up until COVID-19 pandemic and playing over 3,500 live shows throughout his career. That is a huge number. In his later years, Gallagher led long-running Geico commercial and appeared in his first movie, The Book of Daniel. In 2019, he embarked on a farewell tour dubbed The Last Smash. In the early 90s, Gallagher gave his brother, Ron Gallagher, commission to do shows using the Sledgeomatic routine on the contingency that promotional materials would clearly state that it was Ron, not Leo, who was performing. After several years, Ron started marketing his act as Gallagher 2. 
or Gallagher 2, T-O-O or T-W-O. And in some instances, it was not made clear that he was not, in fact, the original Gallagher. Leo requested that Ron stop performing the Sledge-O-Matic sketch, but his brother continued to do the routine. Wow. In 2000, I didn't know that part. I knew that he let his brother do it, but I didn't know he, like, there was a fight about it. In 2000, Leo sued his brother for trademark violations and false advertising in the courts. Uh, and the courts issued an injunction preventing Ron from, from performing any act that impersonated Leo, as well as intentionally bearing likenesses to him. Wow. Gallagher was embroiled in another lawsuit in the early 90s when a woman named Robin Van sued him for injuries that occurred at his show. Whoa, for real? You know what you're getting into with the Gallagher show, so that's ridiculous. Seeking $100,000 in damages, Van claimed she suffered head injuries that caused her to miss six months of work after Gallagher smashed a prop that subsequently hit her. Court sided once again with Gallagher. Of course they did. You, like, I'm sure he started having people sign waivers eventually, but still, there is a there is an expectation. You're going to get stuff on you. Maybe prepare yourself. Later in his career, Gallagher faced accusations of racism and homophobia in his act, with some venues even canceling his shows. Oh, man, Gallagher got canceled, too? I don't remember anything in his bit, in his act, that could have been misconstrued as racist or homophobic. Uh, maybe there was something in there that was homophobic that just isn't, like, registering with my memory because it was the 80s, and that's kind of how things were in the 80s. Uh, in a now famous episode of What the Fuck podcast, Mark Marin clashed with Gallagher over the conception that his act is derogatory. On the podcast, Gallagher dub doubles down on his offensive material and eventually storms. Ooh, I want to go listen to that now. Uh, in a statement provided to Variety, Mark M Mercado wrote of his former client, while Gallagher had his detractors, he was an undeniable talent and an American success story. Yes, uh... I will 100% stand by like I I mean like that's kind of been a thing on the channel anyway is censorship is ridiculous and um offensive comedy I mean we haven't gotten into the, the offensive comedy necessarily at least not recently uh offensive comedy is kind of stock and trade for a good comedian like if somebody's not offended at what you've said i don't think you can call yourself a successful comedian um uh key and peel actually wrote a very eloquent paper uh essay for time magazine about very specifically that they, they talk about the reason why they pick on everybody they, they talk about that it's it's inherently necessary for their comedy that they do that because the second they don't pick on a certain group of people to them that's saying that those people can't take the joke to them that's saying those people need to be protected and they don't believe that anybody needs protected and that everybody should be able to laugh at some aspect of themselves so that's i've, I've ever since i read that uh essay that they wrote years and years ago i believe it was uh, I mean, it was when the their show was on Comedy Central, so it was at least that long ago. But I, I just, I honestly do not remember any specific examples of Gallagher's stuff being problematic, quote unquote. Um, again, there might have been some. I, I will definitely recognize that there might have been some sort of homophobia. Uh, vocabulary that he used, like language that could be construed as homophobic. 
because most of his stuff that he's really known for happened, like I said, in the 80s and 90s, and that's just kind of the vocabulary of the time. Um, I really don't remember, because I, I feel like I probably wouldn't have been as into it if he was overtly racist. Now, if he was doing something as a joke, and it was obviously a joke, that's one thing, but if it was something that was inherently racist, I think that would have been something that would have turned me off, even as a young kid, so sad uh learned a little bit about a childhood icon of mine though i didn't realize he went through all of that extra stuff so learn something new every day but it's super unfortunate that it's after his passing um and then the other thing here on variety while we are here we have to talk about this rumor confirmation though this one we did give i think like an 85 percent likelihood because of the source of the rumor uh, Lucasfilm and Studio Ghibli, though that part was not part of the rumor, have joined forces for animated short film Zen, Grogu, and the Dust Bunnies. So the title is slightly different than what the Disney Plus, um, the Italian Disney Plus leaked, but it's pretty dang close. And like I said in this week's regular episode, uh, I will be very surprised if we don't see this. And lo and behold, here we are two days later and it's a thing and it's been made known. Uh, marking one of the most auspicious and adorable creative partnerships for either entity. Hand-drawn short film, which will debut November 12th. So even the date was right. Wow, I really thought they were, that was not going to happen until actually December. So I was wrong, but the leak was right. Uh, Disney Plus brings together the adorable alien child, alien child. Good Lord. Come on, Variety. Let's choose a better vocabulary, shall we? Uh, the alien child Grogu from The Mandalorian and the anthropomorphized coal dust bunnies from Hayamazake's uh, Oscar winning masterpiece Spirited Away. Well, they're in they're also in Totoro. Arguably, I mean, I guess that's kind of the shadows in Totoro, but either way. They're in, they, they are the dust bunnies, right? Yeah, okay. So I'm not losing my mind. Um, but the, but the, this is crediting them with being in Spirited Away, too. Yeah, okay. I'm uh, So, yeah, good. Uh, Studio Ghibli sent fans into a tizzy with a series of tweets teasing the collaboration. First of a video of the Lucasfilm Ghibli logos, then of a photo of Grogu figurine with Miyazaki... Uh, sitting out of focus in the background. I want to see these. Let's open. Let's go there. Let's check chat before I open it up. Oh no! I got a. I got a Ixnay a bot real quick. Yeah, Gallagher. Um. Ah, stupid chat. Let's go. Kick somebody out of chat, shall we? Oh, they're gone. Yes, uh, bots suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to report spam. Okie dokie, and we're going to report this one to report spam. All right. Uh, so, yeah, the, going back to the Gallagher thing before we get deeper into... Uh, this Miyazaki and uh, Lucasfilm Gallagher I would say knowing knowing what you know about the channel knowing what you the very little you know about me 
Um, I I can say with some confidence that the the article that we just read about Gallagher is probably extra sensitive because it's through a modern lens. If you can go watch some of his older material, I would definitely suggest it because it's hilarious and he is very good with words. Like that 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 again was kind of one of the things that got me really interested in language and vocabulary. Um, but just know that there is very potentially going to be some jokes that through a modern lens are not going to land the same and potentially some stuff is going to fall flat. But that's true of any stand-up comedy from the 80s. Go watch uh, Eddie Murphy's Raw and tell me that all of those jokes hit exactly the same. I'm I'm pretty sure there's some homophobic stuff in there. And matter of fact, I'm uh, like 98% sure there's some homophobic stuff all over uh, the Eddie Murphy stuff from the 80s and 90s as well. So I feel like this is not a unique thing to Gallagher. So Gallagher actually was even a cleaner comic. Like he wasn't, he wasn't like uh, Gabriel Iglesias clean, which Gabriel Iglesias, I just watched his most recent stand-up and he's not as clean as he once was. He's a little blue these days, but just a little bit. Um, Gallagher is definitely not quite that clean, but he's not nearly, not even close to Eddie Murphy style blue. So, all right, we have addressed chat. Let's go check out these tweets. Oops, wrong window. Let's go check out these tweets. Open in new tab, Twitter. Oh, of course. I no longer am logged in on, in, uh, that's cool. I really like that picture, actually. Don't miss what's happening. Yeah, go away. That's a really cool picture. That doesn't look like, I guess it kind of does look like Grogu. Looks more like an actual baby Yoda and not like Grogu. Uh, and then Disney finally confirmed the collaboration to tweet Friday evening, but no further information about the project has been released. The tweet from Disney reads, Discover Zen, Grogu, and the Dust Bunnies, a hand-drawn animation by Studio Ghibli. Wow, it's it's going to be full-on produced by Ghibli. Streaming tomorrow, so yeah. This is the first time Lucasfilm... It's partnered with an anime studio starting in 2020. Lucasfilm recruited animation studios in Japan to create nine short films for its Star Wars Visions anthology series for Disney+, Plus, which allowed each studio to craft any narrative it wanted within the Star Wars universe. Season 1 premiered in September of 21. Season 2, which branches out beyond J J Japanese correcting the grammar of this article, which branches out beyond Japanese and studio... <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Words. I can read, I promise. Which branches out beyond Japanese studios to uh, studios in Africa, Europe, and India is expected to debut, debut next spring. The, next, uh, the news of Ghibli's partnership with Lucasfilm comes the same month the company opened a theme park in central Japan dedicated to the wor works of Miyazaki, the studio's co-founder and most acclaimed filmmaker. Unlike most parks, visitors can explore locations designed to evoke Miyazaki's animated features, like the Cat Bus from 88's My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, tickets are by reservation only. That's really cool. I still love that they did that. Um, and then, yeah, that's just more about Miyazaki. So that's that looks pretty awesome. I wonder if that is what Grogu's going to look like in the short. 
or in the yeah in the special event. All right, so let's get back into James Gunn. This is this is what we teased <laughs> with all of the stuff leading up to today's episode. James Gunn talking about Batman, uh, and then we're gonna. There's some Superman in here. There's a couple other Superman things over here on Cosmic News. We're gonna get into. Um, Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav held a surprise online meeting with new co-heads of the DCU. Thursday morning saw Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav hold an online town hall meeting with the new co-heads of the DCU, James Gunn and Peter Saffron. Deadline reports all three shared their excitement for the DCU, with James Gunn specifically mentioning both Batman and Superman, which is good. Uh, Peter Saffron, who produced both the billion-dollar Aquaman movie and Shazam, mentioned those two flicks. Uh, nobody mentioned Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam, which is currently in theaters and will be going up against Marvel's Black Panther Wakanda Forever in its fourth weekend, which uh, so far Wakanda Forever is not is underperforming when compared to Thor, which I find really weird. Uh, regarding Batman and Superman, Gunn said that uh, Gunn said he loves the interaction between the two and how they're the same and different at the same time. They're two sides of, of the coin. Uh, Batman forces people to do what he wants through fear and Superman lets people make the choice uh, through being an idealized version of the leadership that he wants to see. Right. So that's why their uh, dichotomy works very well together. Um, but -da -da. Saffron said he loves Aquaman and adores the themes of Shazam. Zaslav also mentioned how they want to build a cohesive DCU involving live action films, TV animation, gaming, and more. Ooh, that's an interesting uh, new piece to this puzzle. Is this the first time they've mentioned gaming? All of the consolidation has been going into films, TV, and animation. Uh, Gaming and more is news. So there you go. No mention was made of any new projects, but it was pointed out that James Gunn has a strong liking for Metal Men and even Batmite. Of course he does, because James Gunn likes the weird bits. Metal Men, though, is is really cool. I really like the, the stuff that they did in um, shortly after the Forever Evil story arc in the new New 52. <laughs> Not a whole lot about the new New 52 is super redeemable, but I, I dug those books. Those were a lot of fun. Uh, Gunn also thanked Zaslav for allowing him to lead the DC, Brown, uh, DC brand, says D uh, Deadline. Gunn has big DCU plans. As this Is this stuff that we've already talked about? I think it might be. Rumors offer Gunn is building a DCU around Viola Davis and her Amanda Waller as the big bad in some kind of politically political commentary storyline to reflect the present times. That's weird. James, uh, Jason Momoa is also thought to be now on Lobo, which again, I don't see actually happening. There's way too many scheduling issues with him potentially doing that. And also, you know, he's Aquaman. So there's that. Um, the, 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 the gun replied social media the evening DC falls under DC studio. Okay. So unrelated note recently saw a fan question James Gunn about being in charge of the DCU as previously the trades said the Todd Phillips Joker movies and the Matt Reeves Batman project were outside gun and Saffron's reach gun replied in social media that everything DC falls under DC studios. That's not to say that they're going to be the same 
uh, universe. Am I bothering you? Do we need to try and make the subtitles bigger? Okay. Um, sorry, back to this. Oh yeah, uh, so Joker and the Batman are, could still be in separate universes. They're not going to be the main focus of DC Studios. Uh, they're not going to be the main focus for the DCU at all. They're not probably potentially not going to be in the DCU proper. They're just going to be peripheral stories that are doing well because they're well-told stories. So uh, just because James Gunn and Peter Saffron have final say now because they run the freaking studios doesn't mean that anything's necessarily going to change. So you no worries there, at least not yet. Deadline confirms and adds it is their understanding that no future DC decisions are made without Gunn and Saffron. Once again, that just means they have final say. That's not to say that they're changing everything because that would be uh, ridiculous. I would th There would be no reason for that because uh, those two properties have already proven that they can make money. Um, under previous regimes at Warner Brothers, decisions were made by a committee, but that isn't the case anymore. Gunn and Saffron making all the decisions to move things forward or not, which sounds like it also includes anything from Phillips and Reeves and Abrams, assuming Abrams is sticking around. Yes, if you want to believe the rumors, JJ is probably on his way out. So there is that. I, th I think it's an interesting play to have Viola Davis's Amanda Waller be the pivot character around which you build this uh, universe, but she's the only solid thing they have right now, so it makes sense. And it's not exactly a bad idea because Amanda Waller is present throughout the entire DC universe and comic books. So like there is a feasible way that you could do such a thing. So that's really cool. All right. So that's that one. Ah. Let's get into our next piece. Uh, Snyder addresses guns, DCU. Oh, no. Let's get into this just because I I really don't think this is going to happen. But this this is the rumor that just will not die. So and and I said that last time and then we got the Snyder cut for uh, the Justice League. So I, I've been wrong about this before. I very potentially be wrong about this again in the future or right now even. But I just... I don't see this being good business decisions. So we'll get into the article and then we'll discuss it. Uh, Zack Snyder addresses James Gunn's DCU. With James Gunn and Peter Safran now running the DCU, the big question is whether or not Zack Snyder will be coming back. While I was at San Diego Comic-Con, again, this is the guy who runs uh, Cosmic Book, Matt McLoyne. Uh, while I was at San Diego Comic-Con, DC Insiders filled me in not to count out Zack Snyder just yet. Zack also had that special message for the return of Henry Cavill as Superman, with some fans hoping that Snyder uh, di directs Man of Steel 2. Which would go in the face of the rumor that we talked about in the regular episode at the beginning of the week, uh, saying that 
potentially we're going to be seeing Steven Spielberg direct Man of Steel 2, which would be such a better movie. <laughs> uh, just this week also, I saw a rumor that Zack Snyder will be back, possibly in a DC movie set to kick off in 2024. So Snyder had a poor experience working for Warner Brothers when he was starting his version of the DCU, when it was the DCEU. Um, but everybody that was in place at that point, I guess, isn't there anymore. So I, I there is reason to believe this is possible, which sucks for me so bad. I don't like that at all. Um, recently, while appearing on the Preston and Steve show, Snyder was asked if, it, if it's a possibility that he will... Uh, get reintegrated back into that world. Quote, as far as I know, which is very little, I'm doing my thing and I haven't had anyone give me a call or anything. So I'm just wishing them the best and hoping they make some cool things. There's a lot of things in that quote. <laughs> it's remarkable by one of the radio personas that when they saw Henry Cavill in Black Adam, uh, they hope it means more for Zach. Quote, I'm glad... I have your guys' support. That's very kind, said Snyder. Truth be told, I'm having an amazing time making this giant movie I'm working on and couldn't be happier, so I wish them all the best. Because right now he's working on the uh, Rebel Moon for Netflix, which actually looks pretty legit. I, I really am digging the concept art and stuff that they've released so far. Um... So, yeah, the Snyderverse just will never die. I really hope, I really hope if they bring him back that it is not to do a bunch of world building. It's just because they want to appease the Snyderverse fans and they they let him do a farewell movie, if you will. So, I don't know. That's just, that's just wishful thinking on my part. Uh, but continuing down this rabbit hole, uh, Man is Still Too Rumored to Erase Zack Snyder's Superman Zod Ending. Oh, I really, really hope so. Rumor has hit the net offering Man of Steel 2 and Henry Cavill will erase Zack Snyder's ending to the first movie where Super Superman snaps Zod's neck and kills him. Rumor comes from Giant Freaking Robot, who have a very mixed track record. <laughs> they uh not the most reliable when it comes to rumor mongering, but they've had some successes, so you can't count it out entirely, but uh, who also says Henry Cavill will be starring in a Justice League 2, and the site also recently had their Marvel Vision Quest scooped, scoop confirmed. Um, that, it wasn't confirmed. I hate this. I hate this about uh, secondary and tertiary news outlets because this is still technically... Granted, it has... It has hit the trades, as they note in this article. Trades have confirmed this. But the trades are using giant freaking robot as their source. So because the trades are reporting on it, it makes it slightly more likely. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. The trades have been wrong before as well. Also, it could get stuck in development hell. We really don't know. But it, it does improve the likeliness once the trades pick it up. Once again, trades being Variety, Hollywood Reporter, uh, Deadline, so on and so forth. So back to Man of Steel 2 rumors. Uh, Man of Steel 2 rumor claims the film will not be treated as a proper sequel, but will instead be more of a reboot featuring Henry Cavill as Superman. It said Man of Steel 2 will treat the original 
are the origin of Clark Kent differently. Hopefully it will also erases awful Pa Kent death scene. Oh, and also the awful messaging from Pa Kent that completely undermines everything that Superman is supposed to stand for. But, you know, whatever. Uh, and that Superman will no longer be portrayed as killing General Zod. Please, God, please. First movie saw a lot of controversy as a lot of Superman fans weren't happy with Zack Snyder's violent and hopeless approach to the Man of Steel because that's the 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 groundwork that they created with Pa Kent was you need to accept that you won't be a, or that you shouldn't not that you won't be able to but you need to accept that you shouldn't save everybody whereas in the comic books is you need to accept that it is impossible to save everybody so you need to save as many as you can but there was no should or shouldn't because there that shouldn't even be a question it's a matter of physical capability if you have the capability you should do the thing and in the movie pa kent says you need to hide this thing about yourself which means sometimes in order to keep your identity secret you can't save people and that's not the messaging that you get from the comics at all uh, all right sorry little nerd rant right there <laughs> um do do to do oops wrong window again lo siento okay <clears throat> excuse me didn't like the fact that a big fight scene took place in the middle of Smallville instead of a cornfield, which is, yes, ridiculous. They really didn't like the ending when Superman snapped Zod's neck because he's Superman. All he had to do was cover Zod's eyes with his hand because that would have been able to withstand. Yeah. OK, sorry. Again, nerdy ranting. <laughs> From what I'm told, the dislike of Man of Steel led to the box office not hitting the expected billion dollars following the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Yes, because the Dark Knight trilogy was amazing in spite of its flaws. You can make a flawed superhero movie and still have it be phenomenal. Look at the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, so instead of the original plan leading to Henry Cavill spearheading a Justice League shared universe and a solo Batman uh, movie titled The Batman... Featuring Batman in his second year of being a hero, played by, yes, 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 yes. Pretty boy actor, sound familiar? Uh, the failure of Man of Steel at the box office instead led to them bringing an older Batman and going with Batman v Superman, which too failed and led to the trouble with Justice League. Yes, and so many troubles. According to this rumor, to go along with Henry Cavill's new, quote, joyful Superman, unquote, Man of Steel uh, ending will be erased and rebooted in Man of Steel 2. Of course, we know now they also went back to that Batman idea. Yeah, because that's what the Batman is, effectively. Flash has been rumored to erase Superman. Oh, this is... I th th uh, we'll, we'll read through this part, too. I, I wasn't going to, but just kind of as a refresher so that we everybody understands where we're at with the soups. Uh, so what is interesting about Man of Steel 2... Ah! Oh, boy. Sorry, technical difficulties. What's going on here? Why do I not have power? I don't have a light to know.
don't know what happened. This is very strange. There we go. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Okay. Sorry. Technical difficulties. Fixed. Back at it. <clears throat> Where were we? Prior to David Zaslav, uh, interesting about Man of Steel rumor is that this isn't the first time uh, the same thing has been said. Prior to David Zaslav uh, taking over Warner Bros. Discovery, has been rumored the Flash movie is actually going to do the same thing. The Flash will feature both Michael Shannon and uh, Ante Trow from Man of Steel. Ancha Trow? Maybe I I'm, I'm, I apologize. I don't know how that name is supposed to be pronounced. Uh, however, Flash was going to go in a completely different direction than this new rumor. Uh, originally, they were going to erase. This probably needs to be fixed. <laughs> I just need to fix that screw on that camera. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, originally they were, according to rumor, because none of this has been confirmed. Originally, they were going to uh, erase Superman completely and it was going to be Supergirl. But now that everything's under different management, it seems that they're going back to a similar idea where they're going to erase the movie Man of Steel and create a different mythology, which is the preferred route while still keeping uh, Superman and Henry Cavill in that role. So, however, The Flash was going to completely go a different direction with the rumor. Uh, that is until Henry Cavill returned to Superman. According to early rumors, Flash is going to race Zack Snyder's Man, uh, Man of Steel through Sasha Kelly's Supergirl. In her universe, Zod kills the baby Kal-El on Krypton before Kal-El goes into blah, 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 blah. We just covered all of this. But since Henry Cavill is back, who is also rumored to now be appearing in The Flash, it seems that the part with Supergirl erasing things might be off the table. Supergirl movie has also been canceled, and it seems as if Supergirl won't be the new Superman anytime soon. Zaslav bring back Henry Cavill. Uh, yeah, nope. That's all we needed out of that. Let's uh, move right along, because there's some Spider-Man stuff we're going to get into as well. Uh, what kind of forever Rotten Tomato score... Hi, fans from the Thursday previews like what they saw, but do the critics? Of course, the critics don't because they're the critics. Brie Larson, New Avengers leader, says rumor. I'm not gonna, uh, yeah, I don't care because if that's the case, then it's not gonna do very well, and then they're gonna have to reboot sooner than planned. <clears throat> there we go. Let's let's talk about the um, Wakanda Forever box office real quick. The soups, Superman. Uh, soups is uh, what me and my comic book buddies still refer to Superman as for short. <laughs> um, soups and bats. Uh, when when we're talking about Superman and Batman, it's soups and bats. Just because it's usually through text, and it's quicker to type soups than Superman. So yes, I ref I referred to him as soups. I apologize if that if that was confusing. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever box office. Let's get into this. 
Black Panther, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever Thursday box office is in and falls short of both Marvel movies released this year. Doctor Strange, Multiverse Madness. That I kind of anticipated, but the surprising one is Thor Love and Thunder. Black Panther Wakanda Forever Thursday box office brought in 28 million. Uh, Doctor Strange brought in 36 million for its Thursday previews and opened to 187 million for the weekend. Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, okay. So just barely got edged out by Thor. Uh, 29 million for Thursday previews and 144 for the weekend. So with the good reviews that it's been getting from fans, I would imagine it will surpass Thor by the end of the weekend. But right now it's just not made it there yet, which is unfortunate. Um, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't necessarily speak to the quality of it, but it's gotta be better than Thor. Uh, so as I said, it depends on whether or not fans liked flick, blah, blah, blah. Worth mention is the first Black Panther had a Thursday box office of 25.2 million, lower than both of the previously mentioned uh, uh, litmus tests that we're talking about, but opened to over 202 million because the first Black Panther movie was solid, was really good. Uh, estimates of Wakanda Forever will open somewhere between 175 million to 200 million. So if Black Panther 2 w can keep things up on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday like the first movie did, uh, and not drop the tremendous and not drop tremendously like Love and Thunder, uh, things are looking good. That's very true. All right, so that that's that's a little more affirming is that it's only off by a million bucks between that and Thor. Because it's got to blow Thor out of the water. Um, also interesting, I didn't remember that it was only 25.2 was the opening Thursday night for the first Black Panther movie. So there's hope yet. All right. And then the big one that I wanted to do on here, which is why we I started with it scrolled down, was Tom Holland. Uh, we now have rumor. Tom Holland will be back for six appearances in prop in the MCU. Um, all right, so good news for Spidey fans, according to Cosmic Book News. It is, as it is reported, Tom Holland has signed a new Marvel deal, which will see him appear as Spider-Man in six MCU appearances. The info, again, comes from Jeff Snyder via YouTube. Uh, what is his channel? I don't remember the name Jeff Snyder. What's his channel? Oh, shush. I don't care. Hot Mike. Oh, okay. I remember the channel. With Jeff and John. Cool. Um, all right. So the info again comes from Snyder. YouTube recently saw his Daphne Keen Star Wars scoop confirmed. Again, probably not actually confirmed because they just want to sound important on sites like this. Uh, Snyder also uh, responsible for first spilling the beans about all the problems surrounding the Blade movie, which zero of them have been officially confirmed. Though, if you can read the context, then... They're likely accurate, but still no confirmation. We have no way of knowing 100% that that's what's really going on with the Blade movie. Also chatted about uh, how Doctor Doom isn't the villain of the Fantastic Four movie, which actually has come from a different source as well. So that's slightly more probable. Uh, Adam Driver is up for the role, possibly Doom or even Reed Richards, which is weird that he's up for the Reed Richards role. That Ryan Gosling uh, might be eyed for Doom. Why wouldn't you put Gosling as Reed? I feel like that would be slightly more expected. Doom, who uh, was also apparently supposed to be in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, 
that, according to Ryan Coogler himself, the guy who brought us this movie, is not accurate. We know that uh, from the horse's mouth that that's not accurate. Got cut for some reason reporting to concept, uh, as reported, concept art leaked. All right, let's check out this tab, shall we? Concept art. Did you show the concept art? Of course not. We got to go to Twitter to see it. Yeah, I don't buy that for a second. That looks like video game art. Full supposed previs shot MCU Doctor Doom. I don't know. Nope, I don't believe that for a second. Not even a little bit, actually. Tom Holland will star in new Spider-Man trilogy. The article continues. <clears throat> Back to Tom Holland as Spider-Man. The details include that Holland will star in three more Spider-Man movies, a new trilogy, and appear three more times as Spidey in the MCU, much like his previous contract. So that stands to reason. I can imagine they would go... I. I would think that they would want to try and expand, try and lock him down for a little bit more because he has spoken to how he enjoys playing this character. So why not capitalize on that? But who knows? Uh, interesting. Uh, Snyder says he thinks it won't be Disney Plus TV appearances, though doesn't rule out an appearance in Daredevil Born Again. Interestingly enough, Tom Holland returning as Spider-Man lines up with the actor's return to social media. Weird. Uh uh, Holland took about three months off social media, but returned about a week ago to promote his brother's trust charity. The actor is currently 26 years old, which makes me feel really old. <laughs> so it seems he will be playing Spidey into his 30s. While Holland publicly said he doesn't want to play Spidey in his 30s. Uh, I don't remember that. I remember him saying that he's okay with playing Spider-Man for the foreseeable future. But I mean... I don't, I don't, and I don't catch everything because I am just one guy. So uh, it should be said it looks rather, he looks rather young for his age. So he can probably still play a young web slinger in the MCU. Zendaya is 26 years old as well, but she too looks pretty young. So it's safe to say that they can both go on to star in Spider-Man movies set within the MCU for years to come. It's probably safe to say, excuse me. <clears throat> Probably safe to say that at least one of Tom Holland's Spider-Man appearances outside his new trilogy will be Avengers Secret Wars. That's, yeah, kind of a given, which is uh, which gets released on May 1st of 26. So Holland will be filming as Spidey for at least the next three years. No Way Home was released a year ago and brought in nearly two billion dollars in total. The three Spidey flicks starring the young whippersnapper have brought in almost four billion. That's hilarious. That's, that's crazy. Those are huge numbers, but that's really funny. All right. So we are an hour in. Considering the uh, technical difficulties at the beginning, we're going to continue into the music side of things. We're just going to go to Blabber. Blabbermouth? Should we go to Blabbermouth? Let's go to Metal Injection. Let's do that one. They're usually a little bit more rife. <laughs> Cannibal Corpse selling horrifying masks on tour. That's a mask? I thought it was a keychain. <laughs> That's great. Uh, on tour with Immolation, Dark Funeral, Black Anvil. Uh, 
terrifying piece of merch with him. Combo Corps has teamed with artist Nico Kala to create a limited number of these face ripped off masks. Sure, you can explain away to the cops when you get pulled over on the way home. That's hilarious. Oh, leave it to the dudes in Cannibal Corpse. Of course, of course. Uh, thrash drummer suing Elon Musk? Now, what? Oh, Lord. I'm trying to... While it is technically tech news, and it probably would get me a lot more views and 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 interactions, I'm I'm staying away from the Elon stuff just until there is some sort of clear direction as to what the hell he's going to be doing with Twitter. Though, uh, as soon as the dust starts to show signs of settling, I do have plans for how I can how we're going to try and maximize our Twitter presence with the generally nerdy brand. But that being said, let's read this from uh, metalinjection.net. Things are going really well for new Twitter owner Elon Musk from trying to roll out a paid service that verifies anyone with hilariously bad results, unfortunately, to upper management quitting. Quitting? Who quit? Oh. I don't know. It's from CNN. I I question anything from CNN. Twitter executives quit and company amid company turmoil. Chief uh, Twitter's chief information security officer announced their resignation on Thursday. Uh, I uh, something tells me this dude right here does not identify as they them. Just saying is mounting over Twitter's future and the erratic decisions. New owner Elon Musk. I mean, that sounds like a role, uh, that sounds like a position in the company that he probably already had somebody for, so I don't know if I believe that uh, this guy resigned. Oh, that's not that guy. Somebody named Leah Kistner. So maybe they do identify as they, them. That is Piter Zatko is who that picture is. That's really misleading. You're stupid. I don't like you, CNN. Go away. All right. His username is Soups, not Super. I don't know. I think I missed something there, Chris. Who's whose username? What what am I missing? Whose username is Soups? All right, back to the news. Sorry. <clears throat> now he's getting sued by former Don of Correction drummer Richard Tornetta for fifty-six billion dollars. What the hell? Why? What? That's such a ridiculous number. Tornetta, a shareholder of Musk's vehicle company Tesla, originally filed a shareholder derivative lawsuit against Musk in 2018, seeking to strip him of a 20 of a $56 billion Tesla Incorporated pay package. Uh, Reuters reports that Tornetta is now is not seeking any monetary gain for himself in the lawsuit. Which really just raises more questions. 
Musk originally sought to have the case thrown out in 2019, failed, and will begin week-long trial starting November 14th, so Monday, in Wilmington, uh, with Musk himself giving testimony. Very weird. Tornetta's lawsuit against Musk dictated the pay packages terms to a board of directors beholden to the billionaire and claim it was then put to a vote of shareholders who were misled about the difficulty of reaching certain targets. Reads a description of the situation by Reuters reports Tom Halls and Hyunjo Jin. The disputed pay package allows Musk to buy 1% of Tesla's stock at a deep discount each time escalating performance and financial targets are met. Otherwise, Musk gets nothing. Tesla has hit 11 of the 12 targets as its value ballooned briefly to more than $1 trillion from $50 billion, which is all of these numbers are seriously like unfathomably high. Literally could not spend a trillion dollars in in a lifetime. Like, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> According to court papers, Musk and the directors argue in court filings that the package kept Musk focused on Tesla during a difficult period and led a tenfold rise in the stock prices. So he's suing him because he thinks that Musk... I, I don't understand. Let's go back to this. Lawsuit alleges Musk, Musk dictated the pay packages terms to a board of directors beholden to the billionaire and claims it was then put to a vote of shareholders who were misled about the difficulty. So he's saying that Musk made it sound like he wouldn't be able to meet many of the targets and then he met all but one of them. So he's claiming it sounds like he's claiming that Musk tricked the board or the stockholders, shareholders anyway, into allowing this and and was dishonest about how much money they were potentially going to lose because he gets to buy stock at such a steep discount. I mean, I guess that makes sense, but I still, I would imagine somebody in Musk's situation is prepared for such a lawsuit anyway. What the hell? Anyway, here's ZZ Top Bass playing a 17-string bass guitar live. <laughs> what? Let's go here. I want to see this. Uh, we might get we might get pinged by the YouTube algorithm because uh, ZZ Top and you know YouTube video, but I want to see that. Now, bassist Elwood Francis. What is going on right now? What even is this? What is this? You can't even play something like that. Like. Oh, good lord. That's hilarious. <laughs> is that even technically a bass at this point it's got so many dang strings on it that's awesome go away 
<laughs> I'm digging it. I, I think that's pretty awesome. You can't really hear it because it's a uh, cell phone video, but... <laughs> That's pretty great, not gonna lie. Oh boy. Oops. I'm trying to mute the wrong thing. Alright, there we go. That bass is on some stuff. <laughs> Yo, oh, since we're since we're kind of in this in this tangent already, let's I'm gonna show you this just because Jared Dines is a thing. So every year Jared Dines does uh, the thrash collab. He's a big guy that's into the gent. Um, has almost three million subscribers. Good on you, Jared. Um, wow, has not really uploaded much recently uh there is a video he had there it is <laughs> he had a mountain dew meme guitar made i'm gonna we'll, we'll we're not gonna watch the video because it's silly but he made a song with it look at this look at this guitar man oh where is it let's see <laughs> right there there you go that is the mountain dew guitar that is like i don't even know how many freaking strings hundred and five oh no wait does he say in here 10S Guitars is who made it. Um, yeah, it does not say how many strings it is, but we'll get into the... This is the kind of music that you make with a guitar like this. Look at that, dude. Oh, I'm muted again. Whoops. Yeah, so playing that, <laughs> playing that um, as just a bass, I feel like is underutilizing an instrument. <laughs> uh, Hammerhead streams proggy new track fruition. Those guys look like they're five years old. Johnny Kelly on typo negative. I think that Peter's work deserves some kind of celebration. I would tend to agree. Peter Steele was uh, uh, pretty awesome. Huh? No reunion? Oh, so this is them talking about how they're not going to do a reunion in spite of the fact. Typo negative sadly died and vocal uh, with vocal vocalists and bassist Peter Steele making the 2007 album Dead Again their final effort. Though despite that, and despite not having played shows since Steele's death in 2010, Typo Negative's music remains very popular. This is true because it's really good. 
Uh, so, would the band ever do some kind of tribute show to their fallen frontman and much-loved catalog? In an interview with Sonic Seducer, drummer Johnny Kelly acknowledges Typo Negative and Peter Steele deserve some sort of celebration, but he's not sure what or when. I don't know if I would ever want to do something uh, like take it on the road or it could never be a reunion. Peter's not there, so it's impossible to call it a reunion, he said. I can see the logic there I guess I don't necessarily agree with it but I understand what he's saying uh, I think that Peter's work deserves some kind of celebration and how that can happen I really have no idea but we've never seriously considered doing any kind of reunion or putting something out there as typo negative without Peter 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 his musicianship his character without him there you can't call it typo negative I mean, it's an existing catalog that you all played on, so you kind of can, as long as it's in his memory. Like, that would make sense, and this is a band that obviously isn't trying to milk. This isn't this even kind of the same situation as the uh, Murder Dolls thing that we talked about about two months ago. So, I don't know. That's that's sad that that is the the state of mind of the rest of the band uh typo negative guitarist kenny hickey also recently weighed in uh on why he thinks the band remains so popular to this day saying it has a lot to do with staying true to themselves i like to think <clears throat> excuse me i like to think that part of it is like the sort of sub underground legendary kind of rock band then the other thing is i think that we never really sold out we never got to a point where we wanted to sell out and become commercial or we never could anyway so the band always stuck to its guns which i mean kind of to its detriment in a certain light because there was a point in time right before they put out that final record where peter still had to return to his job as a construction worker to pay the bills so uh, I mean, again, I, I'm not saying they should have sold out in any way. It's just their state of mind did not do them any favors, I guess is a way to put that. As weird and odd as the band was, eh, sure, okay, I can, I guess. Uh, I think that we really followed our instincts and the art the way it wanted to go. And I think that's shown through now. I think it paid off in the end. It's the long, hard way to achieve any kind of permanence, but I think it's working. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that a lot. <laughs> Lorna Shores, Will Ramos, mistaken for Bigfoot after practicing vocals outside. Yeah, that's not really a surprising headline. <laughs> Ahab announces first album in eight years. Blah, at the Gates streams live versions of... Burning Darkness and The Scar. Amon Amarth's uh, Johan Hegg shows some love for Grand Magus and Primordial vocalists. Royal Thunder returns with new rock. Blah, 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 blah. Weekly Injection. New releases from Black Dahlia Murder, Chelsea Grin, and more. Opeth. Oh, yeah. Behemoth Nurgle counsels young musicians don't start a band. <laughs> Dance Gavin Dance, rejoined by vocalist, don't care. Heavy Temple's unrelenting cover of Judas Priest's Raw Deal. Nope. Black Sabbath makes an Iron Man beer now. Of course they do. Where is the one? Do 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 do. It was just in the top things. Uh, we'll go up to the top things then. 
Gen Z. Here we go. Gen Z isn't sure. Where did it go? Isn't isn't so sure about Slipknot. What does Gen Z think about Slipknot? Long story short, they're not exactly into it. I mean, if you're going off of these clickbaity uh, YouTube reaction videos, yeah, sure. There is a metal community with Gen Z, like and Slipknot are the effectively they're the Metallica to the next generation in a lot of ways. So I feel like this is this is just a clickbaity article and I fell for it. Here we are reading it. Watch a handful of generations sit down and react uh, with the react YouTube channel to dig into everything from wait and bleed to the dying song. Anything it'll make you feel old. <laughs> and I mean, they're not wrong. I, what Slipknot is old enough to go out and have a beer, rent a car at this point. The band. Yes. Uh, so seeing how they're viewed through the eyes of the next generation wasn't there for it all re is really interesting. Or even Zoomers were born somewhere between the late 90s and early 2010s. Which means they're either born right around when Slipknot released their debut self-titled or in a post-Paul Gray world, which is a weird thing for me to comprehend, but I understand it. Polyphia remixed Linkin Park's, ooh. Which went unused. How did, th what? These guys are not old enough to have done a remix for that record. Oh, because they did a reissue. I didn't know that. All right. So Linkin Park reissued their smash hit 2000 album uh, Hybrid Theory for its 20th anniversary in 2020. The reissue featured the classic remix al album Reanimation, the Hybrid Theory EP, live tracks, demos, and remixes. While some remixes, like the top uh, 100 Gex version of uh, One Step Closer, saw the light of day, it turns out there was a remix of With You by Polyphia that remains unreleased. That's crazy. Polyphia is kind of like the band right now, so that's really weird that they would have not used their mix. During a recent episode of Amoeba Records, What's in My Bag, Polyphia guitarist Tim Henderson picks up a copy of the 20th Anniversary Hybrid Theory CD and reveals the existence of the remix. As of now, the remix remains unreleased, but man, now we want to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. I think Tim Henson is a strange and unique mutant. I can say this because this is out, says Henson, as transcribed by Metal Injection. This is the 20th anniversary edition I'm holding. So last year they had the, they had contacted us to remix one of the songs on here and remixed with you. It's an uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna fully quote this. <laughs> it's an effing crazy remix and an insane remix, and it was supposed to be us, 100 Gex, Brockhampton, and a bunch of people. It was for the 20th anniversary, and they just canned the idea after. We had turned in a fully mixed, mastered, incredible song. I don't doubt it. Like the kids in Polyphia, and I do mean kids because they're all quite young, are insanely talented. So that is such a strange decision. And they're ridiculously popular in the, in the music community right now. They're like, and they don't, they're not even a metal band. And like metal dudes love them from what I've, I've I mean, I've, I am limited contact with the scene these days but from what i have heard there is very little bad things said about polyphia aside from the fact that maybe they're not heavy enough because they're not a metal band so yeah very weird that's just strange all over the place um we are now an hour and 20 
Give that Mountain Dew base some five-hour energy to mutate it into the ultimate base with a thousand strings. <laughs> I love that. That's that's hilarious. I dig that a lot. That's funny. Um, yeah, so that is the first half of the episode, nerds. Uh, we are going to come back. I, I would say we might play something other than Halo, but Forge just launched. So I'm going to see what we can do to try and get in on some custom games because I haven't done that yet. I've only played uh, stuff in the regular playlists since the Forge has launched. So I'm really itching to play some of these new maps because I've been walking around them and, and doing a bunch of stuff on my own. I even started creating my own map. But uh, yeah, so that is what the second half of today's episode is going to be. Um, Thank you very much to everybody who joined there. There definitely is a couple more than just you, Chris, for sure. <laughs> and everyone who's lurking. Hello. Uh, we are going to take a couple minutes, and uh, I'm going to try and get a little food in my face, uh, feed the dogs, and we'll be back to do some gaming. Um, and hopefully, uh, I, I really dug it when you stuck around and we talked over the gaming stuff, too. So if you've, if you've got it in you there, Mr. Christopher Ortiz, then uh, it is appreciated. And anybody else, again, who wants to chime in in chat then by all means do so. But this is the end of the news, which means if you are listening or watching in post, you're going to have to go to youtube.com slash generally nerdy to see the rest of the broadcast. Or, uh, I mean, there's a number of other places that you're potentially watching this on. Just check out the main YouTube channel and I link to everything from there. We'll see you there, nerds, before we go from this portion. Then always, always remember that if it's generally nerdy, it's probably probably here and uh we will see the rest of you in just a moment